Section four of Confessions, volumes three and four. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Geeson. Confessions, volumes three and four, by Jean Jacques Rousseau. Anonymously translated. Section four how did my heart beat as i approached the habitation of madame de varens my legs trembled under me my eyes were clouded with a mist i neither saw heard nor recollected any one and was obliged frequently to stop that i might draw breath and recall my bewildered senses was it fear of not obtaining that succour i stood in need of which agitated me to this degree at the age i then was does the fear of perishing with hunger give such alarms no i declare with as much truth as pride that it was not in the power of interest or indigence at any period of my life to expand or contract my heart in the course of a painful life memorable for its vicissitudes frequently destitute of an asylum and without bread i have contemplated with equal indifference both opulence and misery in want i might have begged or stolen as others have done but never could feel distress at being reduced to such necessities few men have grieved more than myself few have shed so many tears yet never did poverty or the fear of falling into it make me heave a sigh or moisten my eyelids my soul in despite of fortune has only been sensible of real good and evil which did not depend on her and frequently when in possession of everything that could make life pleasing i have been the most miserable of mortals the first glance of madame de varens banished all my fears my heart leapt at the sound of her voice i threw myself at her feet and in transports of the most lively joy pressed my lips upon her hand I am ignorant whether she had received any recent information of me. I discovered but little surprise on her countenance, and no sorrow. Poor child, said she, in an affectionate tone, art thou here again? I knew you were too young for this journey i am very glad however that it did not turn out so bad as i apprehended she then made me recount my history it was not long and i did it faithfully suppressing only some trifling circumstances but on the whole neither sparing nor excusing myself 
the question was where i could lodge she consulted her maid on this point i hardly dared to breathe during the deliberation but when i heard i was to sleep in the house i could scarce contain my joy and saw the little bundle i brought with me carried into my destined apartment with much the same sensations as saint-preux saw his chaise put up at madame de volmar's to complete all i had the satisfaction to find that this favour was not to be transitory for at a moment when they thought me attentive to something else i heard madame de varens say they may talk as they please but since providence has sent him back i am determined not to abandon him behold me then established at her house not however that i date the happiest days of my life from this period but this served to prepare me for them though that sensibility of heart which enables us truly to enjoy our being is the work of nature and perhaps a mere effect of organization yet it requires situations to unfold itself and without a certain concurrence of favourable circumstances a man born with the most acute sensibility may go out of the world without ever having been acquainted with his own temperament this was my case till that time and such perhaps it might have remained had i never known madame de varens or even having known her had i not remained with her long enough to contract that pleasing habit of affectionate sentiments with which she inspired me i dare affirm that those who only love do not feel the most charming sensations we are capable of i am acquainted with another sentiment less impetuous but a thousand times more delightful sometimes joined with love but frequently separated from it this feeling is not simply friendship it is more enchanting more tender nor do i imagine it can exist between persons of the same sex at least i have been truly a friend if ever a man was and yet never experienced it in that kind this distinction is not sufficiently clear but will become so hereafter sentiments are only distinguishable by their effects madame de varens inhabited an old house but large enough to have a handsome spare apartment which she made her drawing-room i now occupied this chamber which was in the passage i have before mentioned as the place of our first meeting beyond the brook and gardens was a prospect of the country which was by no means uninteresting to the young inhabitant 
being the first time since my residence at Bosset that I had seen anything before my windows but walls, roofs, or the dirty street. How pleasing, then, was this novelty! It helped to increase the tenderness of my disposition, for I looked on this charming landscape as the gift of my dear patroness, who I could almost fancy had placed it there on purpose for me. Peaceably seated, my eyes pursued her amidst the flowers and the verdure. Her charms seemed to me confounded with those of the spring. My heart, till now contracted, here found means to expand itself, and my sighs exhaled freely in this charming retreat. The magnificence I had been accustomed to at Turin was not to be found at Madame de Varence, but in lieu of it there was neatness, regularity, and a patriarchal abundance, which is seldom attached to pompous ostentation. She had very little plate, no china, no game, in her kitchen, or foreign wines in her cellar, but both were well furnished, and at every one's service, and her coffee, though served in earthenware cups, was excellent. Whoever came to her house was invited to dine there, and never did labourer, messenger, or traveller depart without refreshment. Her family consisted of a pretty chambermaid from Fribourg, named Merceret, a valet from her own country called Claude Annet, of whom I shall speak hereafter, a cook and two hired chairmen when she visited, which seldom happened. This was a great deal to be done out of two thousand livres a year, yet with good management it might have been sufficient, in a country where land is extremely good and money very scarce. Unfortunately, economy was never her favourite virtue. She contracted debts, paid them. Thus her money passed from hand to hand like a weaver's shuttle, and quickly disappeared. The arrangement of her housekeeping was exactly what I should have chosen, and I shared it with satisfaction. I was least pleased with the necessity of remaining too long at table. Madame de Varence was so much incommoded with the first smell of soup or meat, as almost to occasion fainting. From this she slowly recovered, talking meantime, and never attempting to eat for the first half-hour. I could have dined thrice in the time, and had ever finished my meal long before she began. I then ate again for company, and though by this means I usually dined twice, felt no inconvenience from it. In short, I was perfectly at my ease, 
and the happier as my situation required no care not being at this time instructed in the state of her finances i supposed her means were adequate to her expense and though i afterwards found the same abundance yet when instructed in her real situation finding her pension ever anticipated prevented me from enjoying the same tranquillity foresight with me has always embittered enjoyment in vain i saw the approach of misfortunes i was never the more likely to avoid them from the first moment of our meeting the softest familiarity was established between us and in the same degree it continued during the rest of her life child was my name mamma was hers and child and mamma we have ever continued even after a number of years had almost effaced the apparent difference of age between us i think those names convey an exact idea of our behaviour the simplicity of our manners and above all the similarity of our dispositions to me she was the tenderest of mothers ever preferring my welfare to her own pleasure and if my own satisfaction found some interest in my attachment to her it was not to change its nature but only to render it more exquisite and infatuate me with the charm of having a mother young and handsome whom i was delighted to caress i say literally to caress for never did it enter into her imagination to deny me the tenderest maternal kisses and endearments or into my heart to abuse them it will be said at length our connection was of a different kind i confess it but have patience that will come in its turn the sudden sight of her on our first interview was the only truly passionate moment she ever inspired me with and even that was principally the work of surprise with her i had neither transports nor desires but remained in a ravishing calm sensible of a happiness i could not define and thus could i have passed my whole life or even eternity without feeling an instant of uneasiness she was the only person with whom i never experienced that want of conversation which to me is so painful to endure our tete-a-tete were rather an inexhaustible chat than conversation which could only conclude from interruption so far from finding discourse difficult i rather thought it a hardship to be silent unless when contemplating her projects she sunk into a reverie 
when i silently let her meditate and gazing on her was the happiest of men i had another singular fancy which was that without pretending to the favour of a tete-a-tete i was perpetually seeking occasion to form them enjoying such opportunities with rapture and when importunate visitors broke in upon us no matter whether it was man or woman i went out murmuring not being able to remain a secondary object in her company then counting the minutes in her antechamber i used to curse these eternal visitors thinking it inconceivable how they could find so much to say because i had still more if ever i felt the full force of my attachment it was when i did not see her when in her presence i was only content when absent my uneasiness reached almost to melancholy and a wish to live with her gave me emotions of tenderness even to tears never shall i forget one great holiday while she was at vespers when i took a walk out of the city my heart full of her image and the ardent wish to pass my life with her i could easily enough see that at present this was impossible that the happiness i enjoyed would be of short duration and this idea gave to my contemplations a tincture of melancholy which however was not gloomy but tempered with a flattering hope the ringing of bells which ever particularly affects me the singing of birds the fineness of the day the beauty of the landscape the scattered country houses among which in idea i placed our future dwelling altogether struck me with an impression so lively tender melancholy and powerful that i saw myself in ecstasy transported into that happy time and abode where my heart possessing all the felicity it could desire might taste it with raptures inexpressible end of section four recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey